Family, welcome to the final message in the Survival Kit series. I'm excited to share today's message. There's a lot of what I would call deep and personal truths that we're going to talk about today. But it's been a wonderful journey just talking about how we can better survive the challenges of life when life seemingly is out of control. We fall low. There are challenges, tough times. How can we survive? I want to remind you of the first two messages because I think they are and they were very important. The very first one spoke about staying on script, talking about the fact that God has already written our story eternally, known unto God from the foundations of the world. From the beginning are all His works and our steps, yours and mine, they're ordered or they are ordained by God. He's already written the entire story. And in this this arena called time, all we're simply doing is we're unpacking the chapters of that story. Listen, God knows our thoughts are far off. He's numbered the very hairs on our head. And He Himself is making sure that if we stumble, He's upholding us. So I reminded you of the importance of staying on script. Make sure chapter by chapter, you're walking out the will of God for your life. Here is the scripture. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We're walking out the story of God in time. And to do that, management must take place in three areas. A management of our history, the past. Do not let your past handcuff you, shackle you, or throw you off script. And it has a tendency, depending on what you do with those memories. If you allow them to be etched in your mind, they're going to haunt you. But if you allow them to meander in and out, you're going to survive. Manage your past, the best way to do that. And I think the Bible speaks to us at every junction, is to forget those things which are behind. Doesn't mean that you're not remorseful, or repentant, but it means that you're not going to allow them to hold you hostage, forgetting those things which are behind and reach. I want to encourage you, reach for the things which are before you and continue to press for the mark of the prize of the high calling. Listen, number two, I want you to manage your hurts. That's the pain, the rising of your frustration, the testing of your emotions, the enduring of pain. I want you to manage your hurts well. We do that best by listening keenly to God. Even when we're hurting, never allow your emotions or your heart to confuse your hearing. Listen to what God is saying. It's the difference, as I told you in that message, between speaking to the rock and striking the rock. It's the difference between qualifying oneself for the completion of the journey or disqualifying oneself, just being a stone's throw away from finishing the journey. So remember to manage your hurts. And then as you're getting closer, you're winding up the journey on the way to the finish line. I want you to manage the journey home. That's the promise, the ultimate destiny that God has laid before you. Don't disqualify yourself. If no one else believes the story, I need you to continue believing. God is not a man that he should lie. Whatever he has written about you, that's what he means. And every word written in the story of your life, not one jot or tittle will pass away until all are fulfilled. Not one word will return unto God void. 
but it will accomplish the end of the story because that's what God sent it to accomplish. So remember that. Manage those three areas well and stay on script. Make sure that if it's chapter 10, your life is found in chapter 10 and watch God wind up the story for His glory. Last week, I told you about the importance of staying true to who you are because you are uniquely, marvelously, wonderfully created. And it begins with knowing God. It begins with a, a desire and a determination that you're not going to bow to the images that are somehow telling you who you are and uh, fawning for your attention and your, 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 your sense of worth. But what you're going to do is you're going to find the knowledge of God that leads to the knowledge of self. And together, you and God, you're going to conquer all the images, the false images of this world. And I also told you about the importance of just loving yourself, liking yourself, admiring yourself, addressing yourself, appreciating yourself, taking care of yourself. Because remember, you're the temple of God. You're a child of God, a daughter, a son of God. Why not take care of yourself as another way of showing worship to God? You know, when we take care of the temple, we give glory to God. When we take care of the mind, we give glory to God. And when we take care of the spirit, we also give glory to God. And finally, I want you to be empowered to be who you are. Be you. Don't be anyone else. Don't spend another second copying anyone, not another minute seeking to emulate and to be like anyone, trying to sound like them, look like them, but focus your attention on fleshing out the hidden uniqueness of who you are, and then be determined to complete the sum total of that uniqueness so that the world can see the uniqueness that God has created, and He's called that you. He has called that me. And all of these things help us to stay true to who we are. And believe it or not, staying on script and staying true to who we are helps us to survive this journey. Well, today, guess what? I want to talk to you about staying alive. And I want you to go with me to Psalm 118. Listen, there's a verse there that's very, very powerful. David is in the midst of such crisis. And in verse 17, after talking about how all his enemies surround him, and if you don't have the notes, let me pause for a moment. Run right now, follow that link, and grab your notes. You're going to need them for today's message. Share this quickly if you haven't already done so. And let's go back to this word. Psalm 118, after talking about his enemies surrounding him like bees, can you imagine? You can imagine a swarm of bees. He says he's surrounded on every side but he makes a declaration in the midst of crisis. He said, I shall not die, but I shall live and I shall declare the works of God. In other words, I'm going to stay alive. This is the essence of survival. When in crisis, I'm going to stay alive. When in difficult places, I'm going to stay alive. He then continues by talking about opening the gates of the righteous. Let me come in because this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He talks about ultimately seeing the stone that the builders rejected becoming the headstone of the corner. It becomes God's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. But he's talking about a moment of crisis. And I find it interesting because most of the times when people in the body of Christ talk about this is the day that the Lord has made, they're always talking about a good day. But David was talking about a very, very difficult day a hard day, a dark day, 
and he still declares it to be the day that the Lord hath made and he wants to rejoice in crisis and be glad in it. I told you last week that I'll touch briefly on suicide because I think it's something that we don't talk about. I myself, I've got to confess to you that I've been close to that, having walked through some very challenging times, wanting to give up on life, wanting to just pack it in. And I understand that place. I understand it to be a very, very dark place. And I also read in the Bible that even the Apostle Paul got to that place. The Bible said that he despaired of life gone through shipwreck, imprisonment, and got to a place where he felt that life was not worth living. I want to encourage someone through this message, and I'm going to show you, even if you sense that you're going to that place or you're tottering at that place, I want to show you how to stay alive. I want to also let you know that you will find in life that when you are successful, many are around you, but you will not have that many around you when you are suicidal. It's a very dark place. But there is a word from God that can lift us out of the darkness into marvelous light. He took me and drew me out of many waters. He raised me out of a horrible pit, set me upon a rock, put a song in my heart. It's a song of praise. And he whispered in my ear, stay alive. You will not die, but you will live. Let me show you three things that I think are important in this whole understanding of staying alive. I want to show you, number one, how to live life as a gift, how to see life as a gift from God. You see, because our perspectives on life will help us to navigate difficult times. If we have the right perspective on life, we can then navigate through the most difficult of storms. It begins, number one, with seeing life as a gift. This is very, very important. Listen, if you're going to the chat with me today, I want you to write these words. Under the understanding of life is a gift, I just want you to type these words. Thank you, Lord. And I want to explain that in a minute. But listen, just go there and type that. Just say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to show you that because life is a gift from God, it is a good gift. And every good gift should be followed by gratitude. And in fact, at the end of the day, in all things, we should give thanks. Can I show you this? This is important. Remember, when God gives us a gift, and I believe that life is a gift, God only gives us good gifts. According to James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift, it comes down from our Father. He is the Father of lights. With Him, there's no shadow of turning. He's not inconsistent. There are no variables with God. Everything He gives to us is a good gift. You know, in the book of Genesis chapter one, when the writer talks about the creation of the world, the creation of the man and the woman, he uses a seven day framework. And as he goes through each day, I don't believe that it's literal days, but it's a structure to teach that God is a God of order and he's a sequential God. This comes, then this comes, then this comes. But here's what he does. At the end of every sequence, he always concludes by telling us that whatever God did in that sequence, it was good. Then the evening and the morning became the day. So this is key now. Whatever God does, as he concludes it, it is good. And guess what? When we get to day number six and God creates the man and the woman inside the man and he finishes that day, God looks at everything and he says, behold, it was very good. In other words, everything that God does, he does it with goodness. That's why we will bless God because he is 
good and his mercy endures forever. Listen, every gift God gives to us is good. And therefore, when God gives us the gift of life, it is a good gift. And because it's a good gift, goodness should be followed by gratitude. When you understand that life is good, even when it doesn't seem good, let me put it like this. When life is bad, it's still good. When life is not what you want it to be, it is still good because it is a good gift from God. And sometimes we don't understand that when we're in the middle of the crisis, but give us some distance from the crisis and you will see that we'll have to confess that life is good because it comes from a good God. Well, whenever God gives good gifts, it must be followed by gratitude. And so how do we respond to the gift of life that God gives to us? We respond by living every day with thankfulness. This is important that every day we are thankful to God. Listen to the Bible. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because he is good. And I want you to learn that part of surviving, part of making it through, part of staying alive is developing a disposition of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, a posture of gratefulness. This is very, very, very important. So even as you're going through something, I want you to learn how to Find something to be thankful for. You don't have to be thankful for every crisis, but you can go to that level where you realize that all things are working together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So I want to teach you that looking at life as a gift prompts us to gratitude. We live every day with thankfulness and watch this. I want you to learn how to love life as a part of loving God. This is very, very important because life is his gift. When you love the gift, you're actually expressing love to the gift giver. So that's critical that we learn to love life as a part of loving God. And I want you to do this. I want you to avoid loving God and hating life. I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to hate life and despise your days and say, I love God. But I want it to flow out of your lips. I love God and I love the life that God has given to me. Do you know that it is the goal of God to give us life? That's why Jesus came. God is always about giving us the gift of life. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gifted us his son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The goal of God is to give us life. I think Jesus put it like this. I am the light of the world. And if you believe on me and walk in me, you shall have the light of life. Follow him here now, watch. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Jesus walks up to Lazarus' grave, a man that had died, but it's in the heart of the Father to give us the gift of life. And he bellows, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I want you to see life as a gift. It is God's gift. And that's why I want you to take care of your life and honor God for the gift of life. Now, the second thing, and I want you to go with me now because this is important. I want you to see yourself as part of the gift given to life. I want you to know that when God sees you, he sees you as a gift to life. Life is both a gift and watch, you are also a gift to life. And I need you to embrace that. You are not a mistake. You just didn't pop out here 
accidentally, but God has gifted you to life. So the life you're living is a gift and you also, I, were gifts to this life. You know, that's what Jesus was. He was a gift this life. God gave us a beautiful gift and the Bible calls it the unspeakable gift of God. That's what Jesus was. He was a gift to this life. Can I show you something in Isaiah chapter 9? It's a prophetic word concerning the messianic son, Jesus. But I believe it's a principle as well. The Bible says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Notice, children are born, sons are given. In other words, watch, as long as you stay immature, you will not be a gift to this world. But the minute you start to grow up and develop, you're going to understand that you are a gift to this world. You see, a child is an immature son. A son is a mature child. And once we begin to grow up, we'll realize, wait a minute, I'm in fact a gift to this world. And I want you to see yourself as such. In fact, jump into the chat. It's not arrogance. It's not pomposity. But I want you to declare that I am a gift. And God has made that declaration over your life. You are a gift. Can I prove that to you? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter number two. And God is there forming the first man. He's forming him from the dust of the ground. Then God blows into him, watch, the breath or the gift of life. And he rises up a living soul, watch. And then God gives him to the creation and gives him the gift of the garden and the gift of all that is in the garden. The garden is a gift. The life in his lungs is a gift. And he himself is a gift to all that God has called him to steward. And when God saw that he was lonely, God built a woman for him and brought her to him. He was a gift to her. She was a gift to him because God only gives good gifts. That's why he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor from God. I want you to embrace this. I want you to know that you are a gift to this world. You are born at this specific time. Let me go one step further and show you something. Not only are you a gift to life, but you are a gift to your generation. Do you know that you could not have been born in any other generation? Because God has ensured that you are a gift to your generation. I have discovered this, that because we are gifts to our generation, every problem in our generation, God has given us the capacity to find the solutions because we are a gift to our generation. There isn't a problem that exists that the solution does not also exist in the gifts given in that generation. Let me prove that to you. Joseph was born at a particular time. He was Jacob's son, but he was a gift to the world. And here's something that I want you also to know, that when you are a gift to your generation, when you are a gift to life, you also become a target. There's going to be some people that are going to try to kill or nullify the gift. And you know the story of Joseph. Many, including those close to him, were trying to kill him. Because the travesty is that sometimes people around us don't recognize that you're a gift. And sometimes when you don't recognize a gift, you run the risk of abusing what is designed to be a gift. And so his brothers sought to kill him. Potiphar sought to jail him. And it goes on and on. But he was a gift 
to his generation. And when the time came that God exalted him and he was in a position, watch, to solve the problems of his generation and to make sure that life continued through a famine, he turned around and said, God sent me to Egypt to save a posterity, to keep alive a people because you're a gift to your generation and you are a problem solver in the moment in which you are born. You are not born out of time. You are not anachronistic. You're not here by mistake. You are gifted to this generation. I believe that I'm a gift and I believe that you are a gift to this generation. And part of staying alive is recognizing that if the gift dies, there's a problem that will not be solved in this generation. The solution goes to the grave with that gift. So I need you to stay alive no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult, no matter what people say about you, no matter what they do to your name, no matter what they do to your reputation, I need you to stay alive. Now watch one more thing in this one. I want you now to live as a gift to God's kingdom. That's important. Not only are you a gift to life, but you're also a gift to the work that God is seeking to accomplish in the earth and God, I'm going to use a term that I don't often use because I think it's theologically not as correct as it should be, but allow me to do that. God needs you alive. Now, the reason why I say that it's not right is God doesn't really need anything. But for the sake of this conversation, understand what I'm saying. God requires you to be alive because you are a gift to his kingdom. You know, when God gets ready to give workers to his kingdom in the book of Ephesians, he, he does it by giving gifts. The Bible said he led captivity captive, then he gave gifts unto men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, etc., some evangelists. In other words, he gave gifts, and those gifts are people. We are gifted to do the work of God, and we're gifts to God's work. And that's why I believe that we should be careful how we treat each other, because in damaging each other, we're touching the gift of God. You know, when the Bible speaks about touching not the Lord's anointed, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't correct people. It just means that we should be careful that we're not unduly abusing the gift because that anointing that's on our lives is that gift that God has given to us, equipping us to do the work of his kingdom. So be careful how we treat each other because around you right now, in your local ministry, in your congregation, everyone you see is a gift, including yourself, to this life. And we're going to live in this great gift called life as gifts to life. But let's do one more thing that I think is important. Let's talk about living for the gift giver. In other words, God is the one that's given us life. He's the one that's made us a gift to his world and to his work. But I think it's incumbent upon us that we reciprocate back to God and we live for the gift giver. What am I saying? My life, that gift that God has given to me and that placement in the world I'm going to use it to glorify God. In other words, I'm going to live to say, thank you, God, for the gift of life. I'm going to say, thank you, God, for making me a gift to this world. Can I show you three things that I think is important? And then we're going to wind up this wonderful series. And I proclaim that we are going to survive. I feel prophetic right now. Not only are we going to survive, but we're going to finish the story the assignment, the destiny. And when we are done, God is going to say, well done. And we're going to say, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. 
I've kept the faith. I believe that my father has something in store for me. Number one, watch this. I want you to live for God's purposes. Remember that it's important. You have been bought. I have been bought according to the Bible with a price. We're not our own. And when God buys us, he buys us for a purpose. He purchased us. How, pastor? Well, he did that by shedding the blood of his son. The blood was the the right, the, the ransom price rather. It was the price of our redemption. And God bought us. And I'm going to show you something even more powerful. God bought us so that he could send us. He bought us for purpose. He bought us on purpose that we might find ourselves in purpose. So I want you to know that. I want you to live for purpose. Number two, I want you to do this. I want you to live for his plan. When Jesus talks to his disciples, he says, you have not chosen me, John 15, but I have chosen you and I've ordained you that you would go out and gain for me, that you would produce fruit and your fruit should remain. Remember, he bought us so that he would send us. And in sending us, he's expecting us to bring back for him a harvest. My life, I want to live it like this. I want to say, God, I believe that you've invested in me. The blood was that investment. The death of your son, Jesus, was that investment. And I never want you to think that you've expended currency on me in vain but I'm going to give you a return on your investment. I'm going to make sure, God, that you know that your money was well spent in me. I'm bringing you back something. I'm going to bring you back some fruits. I'm going to live for the plan. Whatever you're doing, I want to encourage you, do it for God's glory. Do it so that he will say, thank you. I was glorified. You worked in the bank. I did it for his glory. You taught in the school. I did it for his glory. You were in healthcare, but I served people in hospitals and I did it for his glory. I sang in the congregation, in the sanctuary, and you did it for his glory. In other words, live for the plan. And when it is over, watch this. This is the final one. I want you to live for his pleasure. In other words, I want God to be happy, to be grateful that he invested in you and I. In other words, I want God to delight in us. I like to use the words of Jesus. This is my beloved son. The words spoken about Jesus, rather. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to live for God's pleasure so that when it's all said and done, God will say that I was pleased with you. I was pleased that I invested in you because you lived life, this great gift of life, for the gift giver. I want to encourage somebody right now. Stay alive like David in a crisis. Don't die, but see life as a gift. It's a good gift. Life is good right now. Even if you're in a bad place, life is good. Be thankful in everything. Give thanks. That's the lesson. I didn't say for everything. You don't have to give thanks for everything. Some things the devil throws in your path, but in everything, whatever you are in, say, thank you, Lord. I won't complain. And then as you're walking this journey, know that you are the gift given to this beautiful life. And I want you to live as a gift, both to this world, to your generation, and to the work of the kingdom. And then finally, I want you to live for God's glory. I like this phrase, for God I live, and for God I will die. 
I want you to live for purpose, live for His plan, and then finally live for His pleasure. And I believe, brothers and sisters, beloved of God, I believe that once we have done that, I believe that we're going to survive. I believe that the spirit of suicide will be rebuked from our lives by the words of thanksgiving. You see, suicide and gratefulness cannot coexist in the same house, in the same moment. One of the ways that we counter it, and it's a dastardly wicked spirit that tries to take people out, is if you can find the strength to open your mouth and say, thank you, Lord. It's hard, and I'm trying not to complain, but I thank you, Lord. And this too shall pass. And I'm coming out, like Job said, I'm coming out as pure gold. What does that mean? I'm coming out more like you, Lord. And so I thank you that I shall not die, but I shall live. I sense that I'm talking to someone right now, battling a crisis, almost despairing of life. But I want to declare that you shall not die. You cannot die. He has come that you might live and live you shall. Listen, you are more than a conqueror in the face of this crisis. Who are you, great mountain, to stand before the power of God? In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of death. I rebuke the spirit of suicide, and I decree in your life, listen, it is well in Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to survive. We're going to stay on script. We're going to be true to who we are, and we're going to stay alive, and we're going to finish our course in Jesus' name. I want to bathe you in God's love, letting you know that I love you. Thank you for your prayers for me. Thank you for your prayers for this great ministry as we reciprocate our prayers for you and your family. And together, we're going to live until the end and God will be glorified. Listen, join me next time. I'm starting a brand new series. It's called The Right View. I'm going to show you how the right view of God, the right view of yourself, and the right view of the devil always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, I love you. Celebrate the gift that you are and the gift of your life. And I will see you next time because we're going to stay alive in Jesus' name. Amen.